Good morning, Grace. So this morning we're going to dive into the testimony of John the Baptist and, and how his testimony offers us a picture of what it might look like to share the joy and hope we experience as Jesus' people during the Advent season. But before I jump into John's testimony, I want to back up a little bit and I want to look at uh, what John is testifying to. You know, and I love the opening of the Gospel of John. I think it does a great job of grabbing a hold of, like, the gist of the Gospel message. You know, and each Gospel has this way of kind of, like, sounding the trumpets for the arrival of King Jesus. You know, Matthew does it with uh, genealogy. Uh, Luke opens up like he's making an opening statement in a courtroom. And, like, Mark just gets straight to the point and proclaims, you know, the kingdom of God is here and that we need to repent and believe. But John, John gives us poetry. You know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the word, and without the word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the word was life. And the life was the light for all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not extinguish the light. And then, like, John the Baptist gets this shout out, like, and John the Baptist is going to testify to this. And he jumps right back into the poem. You know, the, the true light that shines on all the people was coming into the world, and the light was in the world. And the world came into being through the light, but the world did not recognize the light. And the light came... To his own people, and his own people did not welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to be God's children. Born not from blood, nor from human desire or, or, or passion, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home amongst us. That's like one of my favorite lines of scripture of like all time. You know, we've seen the glory, the glory that like that of a father, his only son, full of grace and truth. You know, John gives us this beautiful poem to introduce us to like his account of Jesus's life, ministry, death, and resurrection. And I think the language from this opening is like just extremely accessible and especially for people who might not be as familiar to Jesus. You know, the metaphors in this poem gives us all something that we can relate to. You know, and I think especially when it mentions things like truth, light, and darkness. You know, I recently went back to school, and as a result of being back in school, I get to hang out with non-churched people. You know, and I get this opportunity to talk life with these people on a regular basis. And I think anytime a conversation about life comes up, uh, I know that the truth that makes sense of it all is rooted in the gospel. And I love to have significant gospel-based conversation with people. Um, and I think that's probably a large reason why I've become a pastor. But when, when, when I'm speaking to people who um, are living outside the community of the church, uh, the way I, I speak about Jesus can either uh, shut down the conversation or... Uh, or open it up. And I have to be really careful not to over-spiritualize the conversation. I have to really break down what I'm saying and what I mean by what I'm saying. And when we have scripture that speaks to life as poetic as this, it makes it a lot easier to share the good news. You know, you can ask somebody about a dark time in their life, and it's a question that most people can make sense of. 
You know, how do you make sense of this world? Where do you find truth? Like, every time I read this poem, it causes me to ask meaningful questions about my life. You know, we all live in a world that hasn't been fully reclaimed by God's love. Everyone, uh, some more than others, knows what it feels like to encounter brokenness. You know, to live in darkness. You know, and when I read the opening of this gospel, it really breaks down the walls I might have up towards others, and it reveals how connected we all are. You know, and John the Baptist knew this. You know, he was like their original, like, early adopter. You know, he was the, one of the first people to really understand how special, how precious Jesus was, and, you know, and he began to let other people know. You know, like, that was his calling to just really... Uh, lay the groundwork for Jesus's ministry. You know, John was an odd guy, you know, and I like, I love odd people. Like the weirdos of this world, world, like have like a special place in my heart, you know, and, and my wife would probably even say this about me, that I have like a magnet, like embedded somewhere in my soul that just brings like the weirdest people that this world produces to me, you know, and like, I can tell you this, man, I, if I would stumble across a dude like John wearing like this camel skin muumuu. Like me and that guy would have been homies. Like I would have had to stop and have a conversation with the guy that's, you know, grabbing a bug and dipping it in honey and mowing it down. Like we would have been friends, you know. And um, what I love about John's weirdness is it didn't get in the way of his calling, right? And God didn't need him to be something he wasn't to partner with him. You know, I think there's a lesson to be had for all of us here. You know, I think sometimes we disqualify ourselves from being able to speak truth to others because of insecurities we carry around with us. You know, I, I think the truth of the matter is that on some level or another, we're all weirdos. You know, like a lot of us have become really good at like hiding our weirdoness. You know, not as good as John was. But, um, you know, we all have something to figure out. But when we find something as precious as the love of Jesus, nothing should get in the way of us sharing this truth. You know, and John was stirring things up. And, and people began to take notice of what he was doing. And he was approached by the religious um, leaders at the time. And uh, this is how that exchange went down. So the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, him being John the Baptist, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. And they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said this, he said, I am a voice, one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as a prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you're neither Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, You know, I baptize with water. And he's kind of delineating, like, you know, his authority, his power to Jesus's right here. He says, Amongst you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to untie the thong from his sandal. And I think this exchange between John and the Pharisee, um, like, John has this mix of humility and confidence. You know, John makes it clear that he's not the guy to be excited about, but the guy that everyone should be excited about 
was about to make his move. You know, he says, you know, I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness. And I, I think this illuminates a truth that really stands up even today. You know, we're all living in the wilderness to some extent or another. You know, and, and if anything, the season we've been in with the pandemic has exposed all the ways we've been living in the wilderness and we haven't even realized it. You know, but John teaches us that bearing witness to Jesus requires us to be humble, to be courageous, and to be honest. And I know that's high challenge. And, I, and I'm not going to diminish, I'm not going to minimize the demands of that challenge, but I'm going to say this about it. I think it, it's going to require us to be dependent upon Jesus. And one thing I know to be true about Jesus is Jesus has proven himself to be dependable over and over and over again. At least he has for me in my life. So how do we begin to share Jesus with others? And I, I want to flesh this out for everyone because I realize that, you know, sharing my faith with people can be awkward at times. And, um, and so I think the best way to kind of like flesh this out is just to tell you guys a story about one of my friendships. So I used to work at Starbucks before I worked at Grace. And uh, I met my friend Tony while I was working at Starbucks. We used to uh, wake up super early in the morning and open the store together. And well, my buddy Tony was kind of the kind of guy that everybody got along with. And uh, me and Tony had a lot in common, man. We loved Lakers basketball. We played fantasy football together. And we had real similar senses of humor. And we had a great time working together. But the lives we lived outside of work couldn't be much like, I mean, they're, they're like polar opposites. You know, at the time for me, I was just married um, and me and my wife were, was leading a homeless ministry every week. And I was also uh, volunteering in our high school group at Grace here at the time. And like everything that was like significant about my time or about my life at that time really revolved around Jesus. And my buddy Tony was a wild man. And before I came to know Jesus, I had a little bit of wild man in, in me. And so that kind of endeared me to Tony. But the life spelled out in the prodigal son's like wayward journey was like the life my buddy Tony was all about. You know, and, and our, our, our relationship was established, you know, at first in more shallow areas of life, you know, common interests, sense of humor. But over time, we began to share more substantial areas of our lives with one another. And as I would share struggles and joys of life, he began to do the same with me. You know, God began to give me a voice in my friend's life. You know, Tony would ask for my opinion about things that mattered in his life, and I would always give him the caveat before I would pass along any wisdom. I would say, hey, you know what I'm about. You know that my faith informs my opinions. And he said, yeah, I know, I know, Jesus, Jesus, whatever. But he would always listen to me. You know, and this one time we were both working together and he gets uh, this woman's phone number and he's like, Pat, I'm going to hook up with her tonight. We're going to have a one night stand and that's going to be that. He's like, what do you think about that? And uh, I remember I looked at him. I'm like, do you want me? You want my honest opinion? What I think about that? And he's like, yeah, I want to know what you think about that. And I, I told him, I, I think that's going to be a mistake for you. And he's like, why? Why would that be a mistake? And I said, you know, I think... At first, you'll probably enjoy that encounter, but if you keep trying to fulfill um, those desires in your life that are kind of instigating this, 
this way, you're going to end up feeling lonely and disconnected from yourself. You know, and my buddy Tony didn't, like, listen. Or, well, he always listened to the wisdom, but he didn't apply the wisdom to his life. And that was kind of like our routine. You know, I would, like, kind of throw out some wisdom. He'd listen, but it wouldn't apply. But he was always listening, so he would come back around. And, and I remember he'd come back around, like, sometimes, you know, a week later or a couple months later and be like, hey, you told me I would feel this way about this thing or, or this, this would turn out this way. And it and it's starting to turn out this way. And, you know, my wisdom that I was handing off to my buddy Tony was credible. You know, it, it was firm. It was something he could rely on. You know, and, and we, we, we had moments like this, you know, that, that just kind of became our routine. You know, even to this day, I get texts from my buddy Tony. He's like, Pat, we need to talk. And we'll sit down and we'll chop it up. And, like, you know, he'll lay his life out. And, uh, and we, we kind of go through it. You know, and there's this time where my buddy Tony, he was sitting down with a couple of my other friends. And my friend, I wasn't at this lunch that they were all at. And, but one of my friends, uh, other friends was there and she told me about the encounter. And one of the girls at this lunch was like, oh, I'm Buddhist. And my buddy Tony was like, oh, I'm Buddhist too. He's like, I'm Asian. I have to be Buddhist. And my friend uh, uh, started laughing and like calls him out. And she's like, Tony, you have no idea what it means to be Buddhist. And he... <laughs> And he kind of laughs, and he's like, yeah, you're right. I have no idea what it means to be Buddhist. And he sat and he thought about it for a second. He's like, you know what? Know what I am? Pat says something, and I listen to him. Because he seems to be right more often than not. And she told me about that, and I laugh. I'm like, oh, man, he's just getting the watered-down version of Jesus through me. You know? Um, he gets to experience Jesus with me and our friendship, and I'm happy to answer the text. I'm happy to show up for lunches with this guy because I know one day Jesus is going to grab a hold of him for real, for real. You know, and he won't have to settle for like the watered-down version of Jesus he gets from me. He'll get the real thing. You know, Jesus has stepped into our world. He's established his kingdom, and it is pushing out its borders every day. That kingdom has broken through our hardened hearts. It's beginning to bring new life to us. It's reclaiming who we are. It's making us new. You know, I don't know about you, but like for me, knowing Jesus has been like winning the lottery. I've gotten more than I could ever imagine from coming into relationship with Jesus. God has given to me so abundantly. You know, and I, and, and I think about this and I think, you know, if you can agree with me and if you can say the same thing about Jesus, that it's been such a gift to know Jesus and that, that it's been one of the most significant thing for you in your life too. You know, one of, the, one of the best ways to express our gratitude for the gift of Jesus to this world is to share it with others. To allow other people to know just how much God loves them and cares about them.